0: Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby.
1: When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box.
0: You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Coming up next, we got Barrington Huntley from the NCAA Eligibility Center. Um, we wanted to replay this interview uh, to give the audience um, some, again, some more information to help them um, with the changes that happen um, during the shutdown. Um, so Barrington talked a lot about what organizations, what um, kids need to do to get prepared to be a student athlete. Uh, a lot of valuable information. All right, let's get into the interview. appreciate your time, man. I know you're busy. I appreciate your time coming on and uh, taking time to do this. I think it's gonna be a um, you know, a great uh a great get for the audience and the and the prospective student athletes, you know what I'm saying? That that's gonna hit us message.
2: Absolutely, man. Really, really excited to to have this opportunity, man. I never done anything like this before. So like awesome. a podcast. So um it'll be cool, man.
0: Awesome, awesome. So um before we get into the meat of things, um you know, like if I go to a, you know, a Chinese restaurant, I don't want to see Jamaicans in there. If I go to a Jamaican restaurant, I don't want to see <laughs> Chinese people in there. So yeah. um, I think with that being said, let's let's let the audience learn a little bit more about you being a former student athlete. Um, you know, your trials and tribulations, because then when we get into the meat of things and why you do what you do, it kind of all makes sense. Right.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Um, so take us back to, um, you know, you know, where you're from in, uh, your immediate years and, you know, did you play any rec ball and, you know, take us back to what,
2: what that looked like. Yeah, man. So, uh, you mentioned Jamaican restaurant, I'm Jamaican, half Jamaican, nice. So nice. definitely, nice. Could, uh, definitely know about that. But yeah, for me, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, um, and, you know, I've always been into sports my whole life, like loved, loved, loved competing, Loved. It was just like a natural fit for me. Um, the sport that I gravitated to earliest was baseball, actually. Nice. Um, and baseball was something I played from the time I was probably seven or eight, um, all the way through high school. Um, but then I got to, you know, around 10th, 10th grade, and it wasn't cool anymore, sure. you know, for like, sure. so I... You know, you play football in the neighborhood and, you know, I, w- I felt like I was doing all right out there. And I decided to play football my junior year. That was the first time that I had ever put on pads and played organized football. Gotcha. Um, decided to play football my junior year. Junior year didn't go so well, but, you know, put in some work um, between 11th and 12th grade and was able to to really, you know, put myself in a position to get, start getting noticed. You know, my right. senior year um, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, still, still, I got noticed, I got, I got a couple of, you know, FCS offers, some division two offers, but you know, you know, when you're in that age, you know, FBS or division one, a was what it was called back when I was there, Right. you know, that was what I really had my sights on. Um, and I was fortunate enough to know a coach who knew a coach, um, sure. and they, they got me a preferred walk-on at nice. New Mexico state university. So nothing was promised. I went out there a couple years. Um, and then after that, I was able to earn a scholarship and, you know, you know, basically playing on special teams a lot, you know, giving, giving some effort there, taking care of stuff in the classroom to help sure. um, as far as, cause I was going to help, you know, there, you know, if you do well in the classroom that can help the school um, look good and make sure that they're getting all the scholarships that they sure. need, so, um, doing, handling both of those things. I was able to get a scholarship And then from there, uh, had an amazing time at at New Mexico State. From there, took a couple of years off, ended up going to law school at the University of New Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I got to the University of New Mexico, um, I knew I wanted to do something that kind of mixed sports, law, you know, regulatory, something in that realm. Um, And working on a college campus was something that, uh, you know, I kind of did some research and was thinking that I would be a good fit for, you know, the fact that I had had the background that I did have and the opportunity to kind of give back a little bit, you know, and, and maybe play a hand in shaping um, the future of of somebody that that's coming up was something that was really attractive to me. Awesome. Uh, So I got the opportunity to work in the athletics compliance department at the university of New Mexico while I was in law school after I graduated, um, had the opportunity to, uh, to work at Georgia Tech in their compliance department, and then got an internship at the NCAA back in 2017, and, and the rest is history. So um, I've been in the role that I'm in now. I've, I've had I've held two different roles at the NCAA. One was more focused on membership, so mm-hmm. you know, on colleges, you know, recruiting waivers, those kinds of things. Right. And now this role that I have transitioned into um, at the end of 2019. Is more focused on the high school realm, just making sure that students, um, and parents, and, and coaches, and administrators are aware of all the the rules that they need to know to make sure nobody misses out on an opportunity. So, yeah, that's kind of kind of my path. Um, you know, there's, you know, play with a lot of guys. Yeah,
0: and and, and that's a, that's an amazing story, man. And and that's the reason why I go so hard um, of, of 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 getting the information to, to families, because, you know, here, here it is, your, your pathway to Mexico state led, you know, led you to a career and what you like to do, you know, mm-hmm. with, without that opportunity of being a student athlete, you know, you know, not saying you wouldn't have been here, but the road might've been a little difficult because, you know, this kind of kind of put you into that path. So the question before I get into the NCAA, you know, you being a student athlete and, and and I hear these stories every day, man, about I knew someone, that knew somebody. Or what if a kid don't know somebody, you know, the information they don't have far as how to be eligible to be a student athlete, you know, this is crucial information that they need to have. And, and coming from, I didn't, I didn't have it. You didn't have it, but I think we had a place now where we can be able to give this information to families. And I yeah. think, I think, I think that's awesome. So, yeah, um, so, you know, congratulations with your role as well, but, 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 we, but tell us about, you know, what is the NCAA? What, what, what yeah. is that? What is the entity?
2: So the NCAA is a member-led organization that's really dedicated to the well-being and lifelong success of student-athletes. So the NCAA national office is m- really made up of all of the colleges uh, mm-hmm. that make it up. So, you know, at the Division One, Division Two, and Division Three level, all of those colleges make up the NCAA. Um, and we at the national office, really support those colleges and some of the things that they agree upon. So at the national office, we really have three main functions. Um, I just touched on one of them. We interpret the rules that, that those schools have created. Um, we support you know, member legislation, that, that's gonna be one bucket. The next is running all of the NCAA championships. That's another thing uh, that the NCAA national staff does. And then finally, it's managing the various programs that we have that benefit student athletes. So um, that is really those three buckets. That's what gotcha. the national office does, and that and we're really empowered by the universities themselves.
0: So, so how does Barrington Huntley fit into that that equation?
2: So for me, I um, of those three buckets, I'm more on the legislation side. So. Gotcha. You know, the NCAA school member institutions, as they're called, so the member colleges, they they have created rules about initial eligibility, you know, what standard or what things students need to be doing in high school to make sure that they can be eligible to receive their scholarship, practice, and compete in that first year. Mm-hmm. So what I do is outreach and education in the high school space to make sure that students know those rules.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So Let's hear about those rules and regulations. Can you can you scri- describe the academic requirements to play in the NCAA? Like, far as you know, and I let you you know touch base on each one of them. Far as you know, GPA, test scores, or uh, sliding scales. What take us take us uh, give us some information on those things and, and the requirements about that? Yeah.
2: So, um, as I kind of touched on, the the NCAA is broken into three divisions: so Division One, Division Two, and Division Three. They all kind of have uh, a little bit different standards, but they have some common components throughout all. And you touched on a couple of them. You know, the core courses is going to be going to be one of the one of the main components. Mm-hmm. The GPA, the test score, and then the proof of graduation. Those are going to be the main four components for initial eligibility. Um, when we're talking about Division One, um, Division One, they have three tiers of. Quali- of certification. So you can either be certified as a qualifier, an academic redshirt, or a non qualifier. Okay. That first tier qualifier, um, that student is going to have to pass 16 core courses. Yep. And when I'm talking about core courses, I'm talking about the big ones math, science, English, social studies, foreign languages, those types of things. Um, And division one has a couple special rules too that I want to make sure people know about. So those 16 core courses have to be taken throughout high school. 10 of those 16 have to be passed before the start of the senior year. Oh, that's crucial. That's crucial in in division one. So Mm -hmm. 10 of those 16 before the start of the senior year, and then seven of those 10 have to be in the subject of English, math, or science. So that's something um, that, that students want to make sure that they're understanding um, because once you start your senior year, it becomes very difficult to change anything that, w- that was taken before that. Correct. So that's something that students want to be thinking about from the time they jump in to, to high school.
1: In this timeout message, we got Marvin Orange. It's about timing as well. Like sure. if, if the timing is off and you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, um, you know things won't happen. You know I got some. I, I got some. I got some looks. I went to Miami Heat camp. Um, you know I went to some different places. And and the thing that really bothered me the most about you know trying out for an NBA team is because I knew I was good enough to make a team. Um, but my college career, mm. from a scoring standpoint, and some of the things that happened in, in college didn't warrant mm. that, you know, it didn't follow me into these NBA camps. Because, you know, I was playing guys, and to be quite frank, you know, I was let loose when I went in NBA camps. And I was giving people the business. Like, I felt like I was back in high school again. For sure. But, you know, you go, I went to a Miami Heat camp that still had Tim Hardaway there. That had John Crotty, that had all these veterans in the guard position, and the agents that I had. You know, why would you put me in a camp where you know I couldn't make that? I couldn't make that roster, right? And and that was about you know having the knowledge about hiring guys and putting guys in your camp that have your best interest at heart, not just using you. I I was just a number to him. You know, it was just a number to kind of put on his resume the guys that he represents, not somebody that really worked for me or had my best interest in making a team. So. You know, you become dejected when when stuff like that happens because you put so much time and effort into basketball, you don't put a lot of time and effort into developing other parts of yourself from a from an educational, social, what am I gonna do with basketball don't work standpoint? All guys aren't like that, but but I was. I didn't put much into much stock into anything beyond basketball. And when it doesn't work out, you know, you like, damn. Right. What 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 am I supposed to do? You know, well, where am I gonna go? What a, you know, and unfortunately, college is a business. You know, some schools are different than others, but University of Alabama, I love. I you know, I, my, some of my best friends to this day. But it was a business. It wasn't a. It wasn't a. We got your best interests at heart. When your four years was over, you better get in where you fit in. If you didn't right. get it done, if you can't get it done, oh well. You know. Right.
0: now let's get back to the interview.
2: So that's the core course requirement for division one. Then you have the GPA. That's going to be the minimum GPA to be certified by the NCAA is a 2.3 GPA. Mm -hmm. And then there's the test score that goes along with that. And you mentioned it a little bit, the sliding scale. So we don't have a minimum, we don't have a, set test score that that you have to have on the act or the sat to be certified Mm -hmm. but it's tied to your gpa so the lower your gpa so if you have the minimum gpa we allow in division one for qualifiers Mm 2.3 you're going to need a higher test score Mm. Um, for the sat we're talking somewhere you know anywhere from 950 to 1100 depending depending on how low the GPA is mm-hmm. or for the ACT, we're talking somewhere in like the 75 to 80 range for some score, you know, that's every subject added up together. If you have a higher GPA, then you'll need a, then the the test score requirement is a lot lower. Right. So if you have like over three, 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 four, three, five, somewhere in there, you know, the test score you might have for the SAT might be as low as in the 400s or 500s, wow. you know, Right. Um, and, and then with the ACT, you know, you're looking around, you know, 40, you know, somewhere in there. So one thing I tell students is make sure that you're handling what you can from the GPA requirement, because that can give you some leeway mm. when it comes to to taking the test in your junior or senior year. And then the last component for D1 is you have to make sure you graduate high school. So it's that core course, you know, the the 16 core. 10 before the start of their senior year,
3: mm.
2: at least a 2.3 GPA and then the corresponding test score and then the proof of graduation. Then the next tier is academic red shirt. Mm. Um, so if you certified as a qualifier, you can receive your scholarship, you can practice and c- can compete in your first year. If you're certified as an academic redshirt, you will be able to receive your scholarship still um, and you can you can you can't practice in that first term. You can earn the right to practice in the second term, but regardless, you will not be able to compete mm. in your first year of enrollment if you're certified as an academic redshirt individual. Mm. Um, so it has a it has a little bit lower standard than the qualifier standard, but again, you will not be able to compete. Um, and the standard there with the same four components is the 16 core. There's no um, time requirement. So it doesn't matter when you take them. So you don't have to have the 10 before you start your senior year. But again, you have that lower standard, you won't be able to compete, you know. And then the GPA requirements a little lower of a 2.0 with a corresponding test score mm. and then graduation. So the next tier is a non qualifier. Mm. This is someone who doesn't meet the qualifier standard or the academic redshirt standard. Um, and unfortunately, a student who certified as a non qualifier will not be eligible to receive a scholarship. They can't practice or compete in their first year of enrollment. Mm-hmm. Students who end up in this situation, I would recommend, if they're being recruited, to be working with the college that's recruiting them because there might be some legitimate reason why they don't meet the standard. You know, there, there could be some mitigation, you know. They had to leave school um, to because their mom had cancer and they were they were taking care of their mom or you know the, the daughter had to start working because you know things happen. For sure, you know? for sure. But but making sure that they're working with the school will be important because that school can file um, a waiver uh, mm-hmm. potentially on their behalf to 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 explain those circumstances and maybe get them eligible. So that's my advice for a non-qualifier.
0: Right. And and that's and basically what they're saying, audience, is communication is, is very important. And you and you, what you what you're saying, right? You take a kid that that's uh you know a junior and he was five, he was six foot, six feet as a freshman. He grew to six three, six four as a junior, but he didn't prepare himself as a freshman. So now you get in a situation where a school wanna recruit him and want to sign him, but he's not prepared. Take us to to and, and I believe in prevention versus treatment, right? Mm-hmm. Take us back, and you know, into the different steps of ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth, what students should do coming into high school. What 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 should they do as a ninth grader, tenth grader, eleventh grader, and a twelfth grader when they're trying to uh, apply for eligibility
2: to NCAA? Yeah, so um, I, I do want to mention though, Division Two rules are a little bit different than That's Division One. I'll just go over those real quick, just so students can understand that Um, division, division two does have, they still, if they only have two tiers. So you have a qualifier or a partial qualifier. Mm -hmm. um, They have the 16 core. You have to have at least a 2.2 GPA with the test score. And then um, the proof of graduation. If you don't meet that, then you'll be certified as a partial qualifier. There's no Non qualifier for Division Two now. Makes sense. Makes so, um, so that's just something something that I'll note. But, you know, when you talk about some of the things that students should be doing um, throughout their high school career, I think when you're looking at ninth grade, you want to make sure the that if college sports is something that you have in your mind, and you should be doing this anyway, just it, even if it's not something that that you have in your mind, just working with your counselor and mapping out your high school career from an academic perspective will be really beneficial. Um, making sure that you're taking you know, at least four core courses a year um, and, and really making sure that one of those is gonna be English or language arts every single year. That's, that's, a, that's a major requirement for Division One and Division Two. So charting out, charting out your high school academic career is in the ninth grade is something that students should be doing. When you get to 10th grade, that's when you want to, you know, you might, you might have a little bit more um, idea about what you want to do. Um, I think that's when you really make the decision, okay, I want to register with the NCAA. Hmm. So if you, every student who wants to play college sports has to register with the NCAA to get certified. So making sure that you go to the eligibility um, you know, and making sure that you register, that's going to be the first step. Mm-hmm. there's a couple different um, certification account or a couple of different accounts that they can register for. The first is a profile page. That one is free. And it's for students who maybe are unsure about if they want to play, or maybe they want to play division three, um, that that will be something that they can do. The certification account does have a fee. That's, that's the one that they would need to be able to play college athletics to be mm-hmm. certified by us. Um, but there are fee waivers available if a student uh, qualifies for free or reduced lunch or is um, someone who also receives a fee waiver for the SAT or the ACT. Mm-hmm. So 10th grade, you wanna make sure you register. 11th grade, um, you wanna make sure that you're on track from the core course perspective. We talked in division one, There's, but once your senior year starts, it becomes harder to make up some classes. So making sure that when you're in your junior year, you're meeting that requirement for division one, that's gonna be important. Um, And you also wanna take the SAT or the ACT for the first time. Um, That's when you take that so that, hey, you you know where you are GPA wise, you know where you are test score wise, and then that can set you up in the 12th grade. So 12th grade, you you probably wanna just finish up your core courses, make sure you get those 16 in, See if you need to take the test again. Get your GPA up, um, and then um, have your school submit uh, the final transcript to the NCAA. is going to be is going to be that final step for sure.
0: Um,
2: talking about amateur, you know,
0: amortism in, in sports. You know, um, that's a tough issue, especially when coming from different sports. Can you can you shed light on that? What that means? and yeah. how it difference between sports?
2: Yeah, so amateurism, um, you know, when you get certified by the NCAA, you have the academic certification. That's kind of what we just went over. Um, but then you have the amateurism component as well. And amateurism all, you know, all is making sure is that a student athlete hasn't professionalized themselves um, and isn't accepting money to play sports. So, um, it's a series of questions that will be asked when the student registers. You know, they wanna know what teams you've been on, have you signed any professional contracts, that kind of stuff. And I can go ahead and tell you that 94% of students that come through our certification process don't have any issue with amateur. You know, it's a very small percentage. Um, and a lot of those too are international. You know, they're under a different system over there. Right. You know, uh, you know, with basketball, it can be kind of murky: what's professional, what's not. You right. know, with, with 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 some of the other sports as well. Um, just making sure that they're not accepting any money above actual necessary expenses for their uh, participation in sports. So, if you have an AAU team and you know they are traveling to Seattle from from South Carolina, you know, and there's travel, there's, there's, you know, uh, there's hotel, there's food, all of that stuff associated with that. That's actual and necessary expenses. Anything on top of that would be something that, that would, uh, that could potentially cause an amateurism issue. Um, Something to, something for students to be aware of as they're moving through.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And, you know, You know, me being, you know, um, I'll say a facilitator of information to the parents in the community, you know, reading up on how you guys um, just uh, had to stop the recruiting just because of COVID, the pandemic hit. It was a a horrible thing. Um, What requirements um, and flexibility you guys, you know, have put in place? To um, to kind of combat that you know I, I was reading some some non traditional online courses homeschooling for students education impact not 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 that but just what are some requirements that's that's uh, an flexibility that you have put in place to um, to come that
2: yeah so um, the major one is going to be the elimination of the test score for students who are going to be graduating this year oh, wow. so in two thousand twenty one so. Wow. You know, anybody enrolling in college um, starting in the fall or starting in the fall of 2021 in that academic year, the test score is not a requirement for their initial eligibility. Wow. So they'll have to have those 16 core, the minimum GPA, the proof of graduation, but the test score has been eliminated for this year. And we thought that that was necessary due to just all of the uncertainty around um, availability of testing so some flexibility in that space was something that we thought was necessary. I will say there are still some colleges and scholarship programs you know that might require that test score so um, having student-athletes understand those requirements will still be important for them and then as we move further into the spring if there's any flexibility that's needed for future classes, mm-hmm. you know, so the flexibility of the test scores for just next year's class. If there's ever for this year's class that's going into next year college, right, right. Which... If, there's ever, if there's ever any flexibility that's needed for, you know, 2022 graduates or or beyond, um, that's something that that we will make sure that we get out there. I think we've demonstrated the fact that um, if flexibility is needed we will you know will offer it but you know I think right now um, just where we're at in the world just trying to figure out if that if that's going to be necessary the next thing that you mentioned uh, non-traditional courses so that was also some flexibility for for um, this year's seniors as well just being able to allow schools there's some flexibility in allowing schools to pick any virtual program that they want to, hmm. um, regardless of it's, if, if it's approved by the NCAA. So if a district, you know, or a school that is approved by the NCAA chooses a program that is not approved by the NCAA for virtual learning, then it's okay. Gotcha. You know, so, so that, you know, so much has been up in the air, you know. I know, for me, you know, I I have somebody living with me, a thirteen year old, and one week he's he's in virtual, the next week, you know, he's he's uh, he's at home. So you just never know, like like what what's going on. So providing some flexibility there for student, for districts and schools to pick a virtual program that worked for them was some flexibility that that we thought was really necessary.
0: Got you, got you, and um another. A uh, topic that I saw on the on the website, and can you just touch briefly on that? And that was um, education uh, impacting um, disabilities. What mm-hmm. what's that program? Can you touch base on that,
2: please? Yeah. So there's going to be students um, that do have education impacting disabilities, and there's always considerations that are given to those types of students. Um, the first and really the major one um, that we've always had is going to be. Um, the ability for them to take in division one, take some more classes after they graduate high school Mm -hmm. to be used in that 16 core. Um, So Mm -hmm. they can take up to three extra classes that can be used in that year after they graduate to, to, uh, to be used to their 16 core. Um, They also, there's also accommodations. If there's accommodations that the school is making for them to take a certain class, maybe under, um, sort of the same class, but just administered a little bit differently. You know, right. maybe over more time. Those types of things. Uh, districts can submit documentation um, that would allow the student athlete to do that. So, those are really the big two: um, that plus three requirement um, that that they ha- that they are allowed um, if they are um, suffering from a documented education impacting disability. Got gotcha. you. Got gotcha. you.
0: Hey, what's up guys? In our timeout session today, we got Marcus, the Glove Woods. Let's hear all about it.
3: I'll I'll be honest. I think there's probably not one bigger influence on on my life, uh, basketball wise, just life in general than than Coach Kress. And the, the, the harsh reality of it is that it's not like he's an amazing relationship person Right, it's not. I mean, at least he wasn't then. You know, wasn't then either. Yeah. All right. He wasn't then. But how he conducted himself, how the structure, and just the attention to detail that he would have you pay. uh, to, a, say, a team like Newberry or a team like Francis Marion. Like, this is not even a team should be on our schedule. But he would have you to the point where you think this team could beat you by 30. Um, his ability, right? <laughs> right? His, his, his ability to, to to not be the reason that you lost a game. Like you'd never, you'd hardly ever be able to look at him and to say, coach, it was because of coach that we lost this. And that's just, you know, when you move on to the rest of your life, when you move outside of sports, which he was the biggest influence of me in sports, but when you move outside of life, so many of the things that he implemented um, carry on. Um, One of the biggest lessons I learned from him though, is I, I realized that I was a character integrity guy, right? And it, it applies to life even now. Like for some reason, he allowed me, I was a person that was willing to take on responsibilities that weren't mine. Mm. Somebody else mess up, you know, he always looked to me to basically say, make it right. And if make it right means I take the punishment, that that's what I was able to do.
0: Now, let's get back to the interview. So I'm a young Barrington Huntley in Georgia Mm
4: -hmm.
0: listening to this right now. Right. I'm an eighth grader or ninth grader. Um, What should I do right now?
2: Right now. um, Focus on your academics, for sure academic, academic success is going to lead to opportunities for you. I can tell you firsthand, just um, from my time working in compliance offices, talking to coaches about students and how they were recruiting them. If they had a student who was, if they had two students, they're both the same talent, right? One has their academics in order and one is kind of shaky they're always going to go towards the one that that has the academics in order. I think it says something about the person themselves, you know, and, you know, just just handling that academic, being able to handle that says something about your dedication, says something about, um, you know, what's in between the ears. That's something that I would, that's advice that I would give them. Make sure that the academics are good and then really take ownership of your craft. You know, if you say you're a basketball player then you need to be in the gym. You know, mm-hmm. you know, if you say you're a football player, then you need to be out in the field. You know, the, these are, you know, you you kind of have to go in with with both things in hand, just making sure that the academics are good. But then, if this is something that you actually want to do, um, getting in contact with people that maybe have done it, listening to podcasts like this, this will that will be helpful for those students. Um, so. Really taking care of the academics first, man. And then just focusing, focusing on honing your craft um, so, so that you can be a step ahead.
0: Yeah, and, and, and good point. And I'm gonna um, just mention something that I heard the other day about going to the bank, right? You can't go to the bank and take no money out if you didn't put the money in. So as an athlete, you got to make deposits. Every day you make deposits, work ethic deposits. So in see, in year, you can cash out, right? Absolutely. That's what it's all about.
1: He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now, Jamel President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life.
0: So I want to you know, give some of that back to the community as well. Um, after college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and parents as well.
1: College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this while he was in school, so he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And its philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. Let's go and
0: finish together.
1: Basically, teaches the game of basketball focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics.
0: In closing, B, we created something called the oatmeal Recipe.
2: Okay.
0: And an and Obi Recipe, you know, through my 30-plus year plus years of dealing with athletics, coaching, and training, three things that I've, I understand that's very important to an athlete's success. And no matter if it's an athlete, just in career, it's education, skill development, and nutrition. So, individually, I want to bring one of those topics to you and and get your feedback on how important um, those three things are. those Those three things are, and how do you apply them? Apply them to your everyday life right now. Let's start with uh, with skill development, because I mean, doing your job, you have to have great relationships with with people and so forth. So how is skill development very uh, uh, important to you? How do you apply it?
2: Yeah, for me, uh, learning is a lifelong process. You know, you can be 65 years old, you can be 15 years old, you should, you should be learning. So um, for me, skill development is really setting some intentional goals, you know, at the beginning of the year. Um, And, you know, we all have weak spots for me. You know, right now I'm studying like business. You know, I've never taken any business classes Mm -hmm. uh, in my life. I was more of a science major than law school. And it's like, here's this whole other wealth of information out there that I need to know about. So being just genuinely curious, I think helps with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, attacking it. So just making sure you're always kind of reading something, you're always, you know, listen to a podcast, maybe watching a video about something. Um, That's something that, that I, that I take to heart for sure. Um, And then even with these roles, I have an amazing communications team um, that I work with and they're constantly pushing me. They're constantly um, trying to make sure that I'm sharpening my skills uh, so that I can do so that I can be an effective messenger, uh, you know, of everything that, that we're trying to put out. So just being open and curious, I think, is, is the best thing there, and how it kind of applies in my life.
0: I agree. Um, the second one is uh, education.
2: Yeah. So education. I mean, it's a it's a you know I won't sit here and say it's the only way that somebody can make it. You know, there are several people I know um, that that maybe you know didn't didn't go to get a formal education. Um, you know and are still doing successful but they got some kind of education you know whether they stuff they went into the workforce immediately whether they started their own business right out of high school um, they were still getting some form of education um, and that's really the bedrock you know i tell people all the time it's you mentioned the daily deposits for me it's you know if you, you have a tool belt, everybody has a tool belt and all knowledge and education is, is gonna put more tools in your tool belt. You know, if I told you, hey, go outside and, and make, a, make, a, make a shed, you know, and I'll get you the wood, but I'm gonna give you a hand saw and a hammer and some nails. Yeah, you could probably do it. But if I told you I'm gonna give you a, you know, a nail gun and, you know, an electric saw, it's going to, it's going to make, it's going to make the process a little bit easier. And that's all education and knowledge really is, um, in my opinion.
0: And I'm, I'm going to, um, second you a little bit. I think that what you were trying to say and correct me if I'm wrong is that, yeah, people that's, you know, highly educated might not make it, you know, first someone that doesn't, but the person, the people that doesn't have the education, what they have is information, right? Yes. And that's where, that's what the people are getting right now is great information because you can have all education you can have all the money but you're not heavily informed it's a no-go so right now that's what we're doing is informing people so i just wanted to second you with that lastly is um is nutrition right what i see i hate to go to to um uh travel uh, aau games or travel games and i see kids walking around with skittles and mcdonald's and they're not taking care of their body properly and i think you know if you want your body to perform at the you know, at level nutrition's got to be, you know, got to be thought of. What's your, what's your take on that?
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's, you know, how you feel is so important. Like, you know, and nutrition is going to be big there. So, you know, myself, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I wasn't, you know, like what you just described. You know, there was a time where I like candy and McDonald's, but I think as you get, as you get a little more information there you, go. Um, you start to understand what that can do to you and how maybe it could be hampering or you know your success a little bit so um, and nutrition for me just doesn't stop with you know what you're putting in your body it's also a big one is going to be a sleep habits. Mm. Mm. that's huge man making sure that you are Getting you know seven to eight hours of sleep you know a night, making sure you're waking up um, feeling rested you know at a at a at a decent time you know not 10 a.m. you know probably a little bit earlier than that. Sure. Uh, but making sure that you're you're rested and then you're up you're able to attack the day, accomplish something um, early in the morning before you before you have to um, set out onto the world. I think that's really important. It's something that that as I've gotten older has become really an, really a priority of mine. For sure, for sure. Well B, man, that's that
0: really concludes our, our first our first segment. Um I think this is a I'm looking forward to the you know our other conversations where we talk about, you know, athletes and their resources while they're currently in school and you know what what that looks like when they finish school in their career. And also mm-hmm. we're going to touch base on you know, travel ball and reg- rules and regulations when it comes to that. So excited about the opportunity, man, just to feed the, the audience uh, great information. And I, and I appreciate you for your, your time and a wealth of knowledge as well.
2: Absolutely, brother, man. This was this was awesome. This was awesome, man. I, I look forward to it.
0: For sure. All right, man. till we, uh, till we meet again. You have a good one. And have a great weekend too. You too, sir. Peace. Peace. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. Sparrington talking about um, all the things that a potential student athlete uh, needs to do. In addition to all the parents of student athletes, things they need to consider as well. Coming up next in our second interview, uh, we got a a slew of topics we're going to discuss from uh, travel sports, the dead period, um, the recruiting calendars, uh, clearinghouse information, um, the NCAA application process, you know, and questions about that, you know, certification, enrollment period. It's a lot of information we want to touch bases on. All right. So thank you for listening. Thank you for
4: engaging. We'll be right back. What Jamel is doing with today foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes, First of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to train properly, to get the proper education, and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college. But I love what Jermell is doing. It's a wonderful program. Hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program. Because these are the kind of things that every community needs. Looking out for the best interest of the youth. The future of this country is in our youth. And everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful. And, and I can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what Jamel is doing and hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people.
0: You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month.